Welcome to Mama's Baked. We're Laura and Bridget, and we're your favorite cannabis advocates. We've been there, done that, and everybody asks us about it, so we decided to start Mama's Baked, and here we are talking about everything cannabis. The latest news, lifestyle, and wellness information with lots of fun baked in. Every Thursday, join us as we break down what's happening now and how you can infuse cannabis into your life, too. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, share us with your friends, and get our free tincture making course at potofwellness.com. Good morning, afternoon, good day. Yay, welcome back to Mama's Baked. We didn't mean to take this long of an absence again, but uh, dang, life is crazy sometimes. Stuff happens. We're getting better at coming back and getting right back on it, but yeah. I was off to Missouri last week. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Visited the family. Uh, two family reunions on my husband's side. I think two first. Of them. Yeah, it was uh, one set of family. Like I believe one day was his mom, one day was his dad's. Um, side the the cousins getting together. So yeah, lots of restaurants. On my travels, lots of humidity. We know how you feel about those restaurants. Oh, yeah. Owning a restaurant definitely changes your perceptions of dining out. Mm-hmm. And then with my disorder, eating food is an adventure in and of itself every time. For example, last night I had no nausea at all, just walking across my couch and I mean, my living room. And threw up for no reason. Just, just boop. A cough and a blip. And I was like, oh. And I actually cheated yesterday and got my potato and vegetable sides from my restaurant, which I can't eat any restaurant food. My restaurant, other people's restaurants. I can eat the hell out of a McDonald's cheeseburger. But so? man, restaurant food and I. So yeah, me and food. And then we, uh, we did lots of restaurants mostly it was just a lot of just hanging out Mm -hmm. um and then we um fortunately kind of went into the weekend exhausted so it doesn't make for uh, the sense of adventure maybe that you need when you go (laughs) i would have been happy like on the couch with my ipad and my earphones for three days yeah, I mean, sense of adventure. I don't know. That terminology to me doesn't go with two family reunions. Yeah, well, I mean, they, it, there was like that, offers to do other stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, do you want to go to Lake this day? You know, and I don't do the sun. <laughs> right. So and so do you want to check out the a museum? And I just, I think normally had I had more energy, you know, yeah. going kicking it at a museum wouldn't have sounded like torture mm-hmm. but being tired the thought of just walking around kind of was... is there what what was this museum exactly oh I'm god sure this museum uh, would have had things that you couldn't have caught you know in a city like say i don't know phoenix right or something. no there was nothing it was more of a <laughs> was it the I... museum of just ball of yarn in the world or what I believe there was a train museum. There was a couple good art museums. There was actually shit. I can't get the name wrong, but there was a couple of um 
resistance type art exhibits. Kansas City is pretty cool. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and it was a. I wanted to give you the right word, and I'm gonna I want to screw it up. So now I'm all nervous to figure out what it was. It wasn't amnesty. It was a different tour that's mm-hmm. traveling the country of resistance artists, and it had a name, and it was it was very cool. Um, we actually just have to walk past that one. That was not one of the ones that was available for our our choices. So you were in uh, Kansas City, you know, proper, like you were in the city of Kansas City or you were near there or what? All of the above. So we were in, we were in very in Kansas City for where we were staying. My nephew has um, a townhouse with like four apartments that the family all rents a different unit. Got you. And one was vacant for us. So we were in that, which was probably, that's nice. I don't know, five or yeah, we had our own little space. We were about five or ten minutes. Couch. No. Mama puts her foot down about that now. <laughs> that was a different trip. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the fam- one day's family reunion was probably a two and a half hour drive. And uh, the other funny. one, it, it was very country. It was pretty. You know, it was a lot of, uh, the family reunion was in a park. It's been in a park for like 50 years, the same park, I think. And it was in Stover, Missouri. Hmm. And I can't, I don't know enough about the layout to tell you where that is. I, I can pull up a map probably. You know, my mom is actually a Missouri girl. She was born in St. Louis. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was not anywhere near St. Louis. Who knew? And then what else? We went to um, a little tiny, tiny winery in Stover, Missouri. I also don't drink. <laughs> Between the sunlight and the alcohol. Great, you're um, uh, yeah. But on the way out, there was a couple of moments, like weird little. On the way out, usually everybody wants to stop and get something to eat. And I'm like, nope. Uh-uh. But I didn't eat much at the reunion because my stomach is so fussy. I tried to stick to the dessert table and there wasn't a whole lot there for me either. So I just hadn't eaten a lot. So when they saw this little ice cream stand next to the gas station, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go over to that gas the ice cream stand. So my sister-in-law and I boogie over there. And I'm telling you, for a girl who has a sensitive British type tummy... I got me a banana split and an order of fried mushrooms with ranch dressing. <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. Okay. And I get my banana split first because it takes so much longer to cook the mushrooms. Uh-huh. And so they're getting all anxious because we have our ice cream and we're not getting right back in the van. And I told my sister-in-law, I'm like, don't look at them. They're going to get all freaked out. Because they expect that we have our ice cream now. We should be getting our asses right back in that damn van. She goes, yeah, but you don't have your mushrooms. I'm like, exactly. You and I know that. But let them get all worked up. Just don't make eye contact. And so we were laughing about that. Just And it was just joking. And then she turns around. She's like, oh, shit, I made eye contact. Now I have to speak to them. So she went back and calmed their grumpy asses down. My husband was not a grumpy ass. He knew exactly that we were waiting for other food. 
Because he's a Your husband friend. knows better. He can be a grumpy ass when it serves his purpose. Like, sure. He definitely has the face, the old oh, grumpy yeah. man, like, face and abilities. But, like, if you know the real one, the real guy, like, you realize, like, oh, he's pretty chill. Yeah. He's got really a pretty good head on his shoulders. That man really knows what's up. Yeah, and he'll push it when he needs to push it. If he thought I was screwing around, he knows that I was screwing around. For him, don't act like you don't know. He right? will grumpy ass your quit your your ass. <laughs> Amen. Old man, your ass real quick, boy. That was hard to get out. And the people that do their job, it seems like uh, automatically just laugh at his grumpiness and you know kind of play right. along with him. And the ones that have trouble with it are usually the ones that just aren't doing their job anyway, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> That's how it usually they, works out. They self-eliminate pretty quickly. Yeah. But those, that damn, I'm telling you, that damn banana split. And then I ate, I shared my mushrooms because I can't eat a whole anything. And I shared my banana split because I can't eat a whole anything. But I ate all the hot fudge part and part of the other parts and a good solid part of those mushrooms. I'm telling you, that was the best meal of the trip right there fucking banana split and fried and those were homemade hand breaded homemade fried mushrooms just like i used to make them when i was 15 so yeah that was my and i got a pedicure and i have pink sparkly toes so that was my trip well nice well while you were gone you know i as we all know i just moved into a new house yes when you originally decided to go I was not even in the market for a new house so who knew (laughs) that I'd be moving into a new one two weeks before your trip and fortunately I had a little mini vacation to Sedona during that time which was lovely my epic house sitter yes I epically house sat for you which was awesome took care of the puppies my sister came out from LA and visited. It was all very uh, fun. And then it took me like three days to recover from that. So right, <laughs> that tells you something. I literally came home. We, we arrived in Kansas City at like one in the morning and got like into bed at three in the morning and they were ready to go, you know, to I breakfast the next day. Right. <laughs> but uh we managed i managed to find you know steal away you know i won't go into details but i know people in kansas city so i was able to stay pain-free and nausea-free while i was on vacation (coughs) and i'll leave that at that but um thank god for that that's all i have to say I can't imagine a world much longer where we have to think about traveling from our homes and going out without what keeps us pain-free. Right. And, you know, it just it's so inhumane for it those really of us is. that rely on that um, just to keep going. I just... My pain levels, my pain levels are probably pretty high for people, even when I'm at my medicated, comfortable level. People think like you go, oh, I use cannabis for pain, that you're suddenly pain free, and then they are annoyed because they're not pain free when they do it. I'm not pain free, but I can put up with it. I can put it in a box and not have it bother me. 
But to have to go on vacation and go, oh, well, you know what? We just don't allow you to be pain and nausea-free in our state. So we have a long way to go. Yeah, we really do. I did hear, though, I did talk to uh, my, uh, I have a friend who's a lobbyist in Missouri for cannabis legalization. And um, I've been watching what his work, we don't agree on a lot of things politically, um, but he is a cannabis advocate. And I have watched that. And they are voting in November. And it does look like it will pass in Missouri in November. So, news to watch. All right. Well, good luck, Missouri. Yes. Yes. I sure hope they do. What did y'all do when you, you know were in Sedona? St. Louis is the St. Louis is literally the number one worst city in the country in terms of murders. Really? They need weed. They need weed. Yeah. Number one, St. Louis. Oh, dude, they totally, totally need weed. That's such a deep subject right there that I won't go into it, but I'm just saying. Well, give them, some, give them the medicine, people. Give everybody the damn medicine. And we've, yeah, man, right now, the amount of people that need the damn medicine, the numbers are growing. It almost needs to be uh, put in the damn water. We, uh, you and I both, I think, you know, and it's not that we avoid the topic, I think we know the depth of it. And we right. know the limitations of a, a podcast. And, it, and especially a podcast about a different topic, right? Well, not, I mean, as I you said before, it's, it's what it started yeah. from. I mean, it's basically a racist prohibition policy. But yes, we just want our listeners to understand that we definitely understand the gravity of all that's involved in that. And maybe under the guise of a, Maybe we interview a specialist on the topic. We probably Boy, won't. there's some people out there that know a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's just something that we wouldn't want to go into unprepared in our normal casual freestyle. A topic like that really did, you know, needs to have the gravity and knowledge and seriousness, all the proper, yes. appropriate. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you, you can't just be throwing around uh, statements and opinions as if they're facts and figures and opinion in a conversation like that when the actual facts are what needs to be the one speaking. Mm-hmm. Agreed, uh, my sister. So, but anyways. Your trip. To go Missouri. You came up here. Our trip. You were yes, up here. You up there. Spent a day at this secret secret place that took us an hour to get into because everybody locally knows the secret place (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm not even saying it on the podcast because i don't want nobody else to know where to go but we did get in it worked out perfectly uh and spent like a whole day just right there on the creek i mean just it was awesome nice so great Uh, my girlfriend rena may who uh her and my sister are doing a podcast called We Think Collective. So oh, check out saw we that. Collective. Yeah, I've been listening to them. They release. They're so good. They, I'm. They're great. I love it. Awesome. Um, I got a We Think Collective. I have to get uh, up. Anyway, yeah, her and I were talking. Rena and I were talking about um, the importance of waterways. Right. I had mentioned something about how when I 
mind state. I like to go to water, you know, and that I've had to learn living in Arizona. I've had to learn how to appreciate every bit of water for whatever it is, right? Waterways can be all kinds of things. Now, Rena's grow, grew up in Los Angeles, right? So the ocean has always just been like a car right away. No big deal. Big part of her life. Um, but most of us don't have that luxury, right? So she was laughing when I mentioned like, oh, in Arizona, like a waterway could be an irrigation canal. You know, yeah. like, I can go sit by an irrigation canal and get some, you know, vibes off the water and off of the flowing and off of the things I see bouncing around on it and whatever like you know, she just thought that was the funniest thing but ever since uh <laughs> she also has an appreciation for waterways so anyways going up to oak creek it was awesome it was really nice to get in the waterways when i was at you know, bubbling yeah when i was brooks. in scottsdale and did that martha i went to a conference that was led by martha beck and elizabeth gilbert okay. and they did a whole section on every on everyone's desire to be by water and it was a whole meditation on it but and and conversation and it was literally a whole section of the day's discussion and that it was very interesting but everybody I mean, on a scientific level though it literally makes perfect sense. right we're what 80 percent water yeah isn't that the number something like our bodies are like 80 percent water right so of course you know when water gets put together it evens itself out right always in perfect balance water's always in perfect balance you know yeah so to speak um so i don't I recall don't that whole weekend was you know partially a lollipop and partially i was in a trance with a lot of the conversation so the details escape me at the moment but i do remember it being a very specific scientific like you said uh study about people's desires always lead them to a place with water yeah well it makes perfect sense to me and definitely it's a place where i find balance so just even that one day uh was worth it having that one day to just be up there and enjoying that place and um there's not a lot of places that have that kind of vibe in arizona that i've found or that i know of you know where you kind of be away from everybody but also relatively close to society yeah 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 <laughs> but feeling quite remote in you know in terms of being able to connect with nature <coughs> i grew up in north idaho so you know i'm not a city girl i'm 100 percent like a mountain girl country girl so to speak like at my core i grew up on the lake too like we had a lake there Coeur d'Alene yeah. with a beach on it with like a basketball court and all this stuff and literally every summer all summer that's where we were we were at the lake on the beach um always you know i mean we even lived on the lake for a while growing up and in we upstate new york house on the lake, but... yeah me me in upstate new york as well a lot of lakes lots and lots and lots and lots of lakes and reservoirs and creeks and that summer and then i also was in uh New Hampshire a little bit, a lot of ocean visits there. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, it, metaphorically speaking, Arizona, you know, are living, moving to the desert and learning to appreciate waterways in the desert really is a metaphor for life also. Mm -hmm. uh, and for, I think, accepting those parts about you that maybe are, that you feel are less attractive you know, whatever that might be in people, you know, everybody has flaws, so to speak. I don't even know if flaws is the right word, 
Right, uh, right. Because, what they perceive as. Know, I really believe in the yin and the yang, you know, and that there's good, uh, you know, whatever, that there's a balance that always and everything. Um, but I definitely was someone who was a, like a people pleaser, never wanted to show any of the negative sides and always wanted to present a photo or a picture of myself as if everything was always perfect, you know, like we're at the ocean, it's very beach, you know. Um, <laughs> in reality, life is a desert, you know. <laughs> for sure. I don't know, living, living here and learning to appreciate the uh, the irrigation canals for what they are, and appreciating, like, literally now in Arizona, I could go over to my dad's house. He has irrigate flood irrigation. Oh property. yeah. <laughs> so I'll go back there sometimes and do that for him. And you're really like taking big old grates out of irrigation ditches and letting the water flow and creating new little rivers and pathways, you know, like, and yeah, it's all small and, but it's awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> really awesome. And it really balances me. It really gives me a sense of like, um, just normalcy and like all is right with the world, you know, for sure. Supposed to work water does. It's I love the irrigation stuff. I've lived in a few places in, in Phoenix that had the irrigation. And it yeah. was, it's, you know, like you said, you don't get much water. So, that was something. Yeah. yeah. I, I think also with that whole metaphor too is, you know, being a mom, we're both moms. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of times my children, your child is very young and mine are grown and adult women out in the world. And what the lesson I learned that corresponds with that topic is there's a lot of times when your children's either their behavior or their actions are, um, not reflective of what you think your children's hearts should be and it's your job to teach them they don't know yet but there's those moments or when they make decisions that perhaps don't align with your values but you still and maybe not even values that might be too strong a word but don't align with what you might think would be an ideal life their choice in their life it's theirs to make so there's many times as a parent when I've watched my children make decisions that I thought would cause them uh, maybe not harm as much as uh, maybe pain. I don't know if harm's the right word. But to take a deep breath and go, you know what, this is part of their life and they're going to have to learn this and this is, you know, their lessons and yeah, a lot of that. Kind of like a cactus pops up. You just want your children's life to be great and golden and perfection. And you know that that's not reality. It can't be. They would would never learn anything. So even as they're young and you have to, I mean, I had a special case. I had a child with a disability and a doctor taught me very young in both of us. Wait, wait, I need to stop you for a second because you're telling me that my daughter's life can't be perfect? Nope. No, not your perfect. Not your perfect. It could be her perfect. It's going to be perfect for her. Okay, I'm all right. Okay. (laughs) Poor thing. I'm sending you a virtual hug. Okay. Bad stuff's going to happen. Oh, God, don't let it be today. No, none today. None today. But my doctor, my daughter's doctor had to tell me not to help my daughter get up when she fell. My daughter didn't learn to walk and it was with a walker and in leg braces and she was two. And oh, so as she's learning, she's fully verbal. 
most babies are learning to walk when they can't talk yet. Well, she learned it the opposite because of, you know, the ability to lay around and pick up language. She couldn't walk, so she always focuses on that. So she had to be allowed to get herself back up and into her walker independently or she would never learn to get up. And that was a lesson that stuck in my mind, not only for her walking, but for every task in her life going forward was, yeah, you got to let her get up on her own. Okay, here's a quick question. Yeah. This is going to be like a little side side note kind of, but um, yep. my current process with her is generally to try and let her do things herself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm like, oh, you try it, you try it, you try it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, will that probably help me? <laughs> Or is that just futile anyways? Oh, no. No. Not, in- enough. Not near enough, probably. Personally, for me, independence is the goal. You know? Right. The That's indep- my goal, too. Right. And independence means raising... That'll help. The a- mindset is the right place, right? It's going to help, at least. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. My whole goal is to help her learn how to be a person that knows how to make good choices for herself and yep. do her and that's why it. I had to just let her get up on her own when she fell down I had to say nope you can do it and she did and she learned uh, you know she learned how to get up on her own she can get up from falling down there was that one time that it happened at the department store and she fell down and I was doing my I'm a strong mom it's okay, honey. Get back up. And she had bit her lip. Oh, no. So she had blood coming oh, down no. her face, her chin, and down her neck. And of course, you know, she's, it's a mouth. So it's saliva. Okay, so, look, we all know. Going, looking back now, would you still have stuck it out in that moment? Or would you have just caved in that moment? Oh, I totally, totally caved in that moment. But I didn't know okay. it. I wasn't looking because if I looked at her, she's this gorgeous little fairy baby. I know. These big long eyelashes and this gorgeous long hair looking at me pleading to help her up. I knew I would cave every time so I wouldn't look. So I'm at the store not looking and two ladies next to me are like, your child's bleeding. Yeah. Uh, The mom shame ran deep that day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, dude. So yeah, I just I looked down and went, "Oh, baby, did you oh, bite your lip?" And I no, I still didn't fuss crazy. You know what? That's the balance. That's the balance, girl. Yeah, that's the balance. It's all right. Everything went perfect. You picked her up. You schooled her up. It was only a minute of mom guilt in your brain. She doesn't even remember that moment. Oh no, and yeah, it was a. Ended up being more of a funny story as we grew up. We have a few. She got stared at a lot. I used to tell her people only stare because that's how long it takes their eyes or their brains to process what their eyes are seeing. And so we had this running joke that the longer people stared, the dumber they were because their brains were taking far too long to figure out what their eyes were seeing. So... (laughs) That's how we'd get over staring when we were. She was growing up. She'd she'd like nudge me and go, "Boy, that one's real dumb, Aww. Oh man! But yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, anyways, 
our topic this week. We're totally on topic. Yeah. Relationships. We, right? we always do it like this. Like it just flows so naturally. And then boom, what we're talking about today, relationships and cannabis. And not sexual, all kinds. All the different relationships. We have so many relationships. We're in this is actually my like wheelhouse. This is my favorite topic, is relationships, really, you know, because people hear that word and they think, you know, oh boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but no, every single connection you have to something is a relationship, right? So every connection you have to people around you in your life is a relationship. And cannabis can and does affect those relationships in different ways, right? And I have seen the gamut of how cannabis can affect relationships. So we're going to take a quick break, right? Yeah. And back and hit the topic in just a couple seconds anything else to add before we do miss nope sounds good favorite topic too love it relationships and cannabis come right back yay Uh, i was thinking about it on the break about how deep this conversation really is too actually like how many different versions and examples of you know, cannabis in relationships. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we have to find the common denominator. Yeah. In order to address it in Let's, the short amount of time that we have, because you and I could talk like from now until nine o'clock tonight about shit. I mean, so, <laughs> I don't know how many of y'all would hang with us that long, but I, yeah, if we don't, if we don't put some parameters on our conversations we could go all day exactly so what would you feel you are more of a relationship guru um what would you feel would be some of the more common denominators in cannabis and relationships and i suppose are we talking more about where it becomes an issue or are we talking about how it enhances because it does do both it does. And I think that the it really starts with understanding that the common denominator is always self. Right? Like in whichever relationship you're talking about, you're yeah. the common denominator, right? So it's really, right. really at the core, always, no matter who you're talking about, always actually about you. Uh, all the narcissists are out there all the narcissists out there going I knew it I knew it was all about me (laughs) it's about you uh, you know yeah it's about you I mean it's about you on some levels it's about other people yes but it's also (laughs) it's about how you relate to yourself to your use to the way you're interacting with other people the way you treat other people you know the way you um, respond to other people. That's right. The type of situations you put yourself in and why you do that. What are your motivators, you know, for, for doing so? Sometimes people say their motivators are this or that, you know, great, um, you know, some big good thing, right? And so therefore it justifies, you know, the ends justify the means type of thing. But mm. But when it all boils down to it, you know, it's all about 
kind of the, the, the self-talk and how you're relating to yourself about it all. That's the first and most important bottom line. Now, in any relationship. In it doesn't every, matter if it's a, employment, right. Your employer, employee, parent, child. You are always in your relationships. And cool. so it's always about you because on another just very deep and overarching level, you cannot, you know, I'm going to just say it, control other people. People like to say, oh, change, improve, better, men. you know, they call it whatever they want to call it. But when it boils down to it, you can't make another human being do anything or think anything or be anything. Only they can do that. Right. Yep. I often, I used to run through this little questionnaire type of thing in a lot of my classes to ask everybody in the classroom, like, okay, how many of you in here have children? Okay. Of those of you, those of you have children, how many of you can, you know, you kind of, you have control over your children. You know, you control your kids. <laughs> everybody raises their hands all the time. Everybody. I'm like, for real? I'm like, um, okay. Then you so probably then- weren't even a parent at that point. I'm I wasn't I did work with children for 15 years. Right, right, right. right. So, but you, know, you knew have, better. Oh, of course, right. So, I mean, it was to make a point, you that know, because everybody raised their hands. Uh, most, a lot of people are parents, you know. So, at least at the, you know, I was teaching adults. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they all raise their hand. Oh, yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, I control my kids. You know, they do what I say. I was like, okay, great. Then that means that uh, you know like an rc car they don't do anything unless you have given them the express commandment or direction uh you know to do so right lost yeah not true not true sometimes they do things that you didn't actually direct them to do you didn't turn them on you know, run their little remote and make them do the things that they do every moment. Well, no. Okay. So in fact, you don't control them. And in fact, let's just get to the bottom line. The best thing you could do maybe is hope to guide them to make, you know, good decisions. And that's the best you can hope to do. So we can't control other people. So in a relationship, as much as, uh, you know, you like to blame another person, uh, blaming them is really just a, a projection of, you know, you not dealing with whatever it is internally that's allowing you to, you know, continue. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, the thing that you're, you know, you're continuing. The good thing or the bad thing, whatever. The good thing, the bad thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So was that in a nutshell enough? Yep. So <laughs> we have the cannabis in See, relation- fine. That was like the TED Talk version of relationship right there. Well, we didn't hit 22 minutes yet, but that's like whatever the little clip that goes under the TED Talk. Uh, so the we have control and self being the two keys. And then we break it to back to cannabis. And we have the two, we have the ways in which cannabis enhances a relationship and we have the ways in which cannabis strains a relationship i personally don't find that the cannabis itself of course is what if it if there is a strain in the relationship related somehow to cannabis 
it's more about the views of cannabis, not often the actual cannabis plant. Now, of course, there's exceptions to those, to that where people are abusing. Right. And so if, if that's the case. It's not necessarily about the cannabis. You know, that's their mental state and whether or not, you know, they're whatever supports it is that they might need. For behavioral issues that they're having. Right. So we can, can we, can we eliminate the abuse part of the discussion up front? I feel like if you are in a relationship of any sort with someone who abuses cannabis or any other drug to the extent that it is causing a negative impact on your life. Correct. If you're in that situation, you should probably go to like a Narconon meeting. Right? Maybe. Right. Right. And figure out what it is that's going on within yourself that is allowing you, you know, to stay in a relationship like that. Because ultimately, if they're abusing a substance of any sort and you're staying with them, you are either probably enabling that or you are in some way uh, being abused or who knows what else is happening, you know, and, and that's a negative situation for you. So you need to figure out, you know, why that's happening and i can only recommend therapy agreed and i wanted to bring that up as this is not basically what we're talking about Um, and just as a disclaimer if that situation is is out there abuse of any kind of any substance is abuse usually leads to other abuses of self and others so yeah definitely not what we're talking about anybody that just smokes weed and is that person that um you know like I haven't met that person before, but you know, a lot We're of talking, times yeah. other also use marijuana. That's certainly common. So let's talk about how people's negative opinions about cannabis can affect your relationships. Because I think if we keep it more of a broad conversation, people can use the information in their own situations, whether it be an employer or a cousin or their grandma I have a nephew that I'm sure gets a lot of crap because I think he's starting to post mm-hmm. more cannabis positive. Um, you like I, to say that um, cannabis has the worst PR ever. That's my favorite, yeah. Ever. So let's talk about negative perceptions of cannabis in your relationships. For me personally, coming out of the closet was... Um, not real risky i waited until my children were grown so i had no threats of child protective services my ex-husband who would look for any opportunity to give me shit um i didn't have those risks so you know like people are like oh it's so brave to me at the point that which i did it didn't feel super brave because i was entering the industry as well when i came out of the closet so I didn't feel like personally I was risking anything. I was proud of the plant and and I've written about that as well, that your motives help support any of your fears or shame or any of that. But that being said, that does not mean that I have not in the, what, seven years maybe since then, um, have not 
been met with relationships where people that have known me forever suddenly had issues or comments or negativity towards my relationship with cannabis. Yeah. And I think for me, holding myself in my, what we say now is, you know, our truth, my truth about what cannabis did for me, what I've witnessed personally it do for people. Um, And I had seen these videos of children being treated with epilepsy real early on um, before it was mainstream and having worked with children throughout my career with seizure disorders and having taken seizure medications myself, that was inspiring to me. So I used all those inspirational moments to fuel my support of cannabis and to try to maybe not change people's minds, but to live as a role model type for the plant, not for, I don't, not necessarily for other people, but to show a quality of life using cannabis that was representative of the norm, not the stoner side. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the opposite of what my experience was, generally speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to some degree. I mean, I'm from a very loving family, so I certainly didn't suffer any like massive consequences of any sort, you know, and I don't expect I ever would, but right. But I certainly grew up in a very conservative family environment where, you know, cannabis was certainly seen as like, you know, the devil's lettuce. And I mean, they didn't necessarily use that terminology, but it was pot and it was, you know, dope and those donors, you know, you know, and they were bad. And it was definitely very looked down upon and smoking. It was seemingly one of like the worst things you could do. And uh, at one point, uh, yeah, anyway, so it was, it was seen as pretty bad. I got to college and actually I still was very, like that I felt very much like that still all through college in fact none of my friends could smoke around me I ended up living in a house at one point at the end of my college career where uh or towards the end of my college career I should say uh where I had several roommates right and one of them apparently (laughs) was like the drug dealer of the town come to find out like right after I moved out the DEA busted the house no (laughs) it was like I would come home and just bitch everybody out. You guys were smoking in my living room. I can smell it in there. No, 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 no. You know, it was just like pissy, right? Uh, so it was kind of a big joke then that I <laughs> I went away for a summer. And when I came back after that summer, I was like, oh, you know what? Let me try that. And oh, the my truth God. Was, <laughs> what? I'm totally, I'm sorry. I'm totally picturing you. I'm totally picturing you oh. bitching out this apartment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we actually had the greatest house in the town. It was like the big party house, too. It was so fantastic. But Well, I'm picturing you leaving the room and them all giving each other side at going, God, if everybody needs to smoke a joint, it's that chick. Exactly. Exactly. I so did. (laughs) I so did. You came back and pleased them all. Uh, I did, but it was kind of unfortunate because the truth is that it was a traumatic event that led me to that mind state. So I was. That's right. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So I was raped. Right. Uh, And it was relatively traumatic, and it kind of went 
crazy from there and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I came back, I started smoking weed, but I was just really self-medicating. And over the next few years, you know, off and on, I mostly did, sometimes didn't, whatever. Uh, but if I had a job where I couldn't, then no big deal. I just quit for a while or however long I needed to until I figured out if drug tests really were going to happen or not. Yeah, you know? me too. Or, you know, whatever. It was not really a big deal to me, honestly, to smoke right. or not to smoke, you know. But generally speaking, I preferred smoking to not smoking. So I... You know, whatever. But I got a great job with the school district at one point. So then it was definitely this, it became this thing where it was like, oh man, this definitely this undercover thing. It had been at this point some years since the incident had happened. And this, it was like a big buildup in my life and failures had happened and this had happened and blah, blah, blah. You know, mostly because I hadn't actually dealt with the trauma. Right. I had never went to therapy for the trauma that happened seven years prior to that at this point so uh uh, yeah so it was a big deal for me and it felt like a very heavy burden to carry it was this big secret I was supposed to keep and I couldn't tell anybody and I had to keep everything secret but um at this point I decided okay like I need to change and I'm gonna quit and go do right and I'm gonna do everything I'm supposed to do and go back to church was my path you know which was mm-hmm. what I thought like I thought like oh it's because I uh you know been smoking marijuana that's why everything's crazy you know that's that's it's God's punishment on me yeah so I'm gonna go vengeful God yeah I did go to therapy then too uh but um yeah yeah I did go to therapy at that point, but I just decided, no, I'm not going to take, they wanted me to take like, you know, Xanax or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to go take Jesus instead. I'm going to go to church and try that out. See if that works. So I did that for several years and quit smoking. And it was a very, you know, went back to my good old self and good Lord, my anxiety, depression, etc., was literally through the roof. It was outrageous. Um, which I realized over some time and also during that time I had my own you know, kind of come to Bridget moment of like who am I really what do I want what do I not want in my life I was dating I was still single at that time didn't have kids so all this stuff didn't matter but you know it was a lot of stuff and finally I came to the realization like you know what like I really like cannabis and I like how it treats my anxiety and depression now I understand that the anxiety and depression kind of stems from this event and that therapy can help it. And this is how it helps. But then also I like how cannabis uh, treats it as well. And so I began to start using it then, but it was a big secret because I was all involved in like the church group and everything. And as I began to let that secret out, even ever so slowly to my close friends, they just literally bounced. They were like, whoop, gone. So I was like, all right, then I guess this is not the environment for me. That's cool. No problem. See you later. I think a lot of the people in the gay community have had that same sort of timeline sure. of, of experiences. And, and for I, sure. I, I, yeah, it's sad that the people that are the ones that were teaching love or having yeah, those responses to people. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, they were only responding from what they knew as well. Exactly. 
now we're 10, 15 years out from that point, right? From the point where I've like made a conscious decision, like I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to date people openly because it was always a big thing with dating. Like, oh, I don't want people to know I smoke weed because then I might meet somebody who smokes weed and then we'll just be potheads forever. And I'll never be able to quit smoking weed because it still always felt like, um, you know, it's somehow a bad thing. See, now that's a great point right there. And a great segue is um, that God, do I want to smoke some, you know, do my daughters, I won't say since I have six to choose from, I can just say my daughters safely and none of them will feel like I'm picking on them. But I do, I can see them, any random one of them may have said to me at some point, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to date a guy who smokes pot because then, you know, he'll never be anything or do anything kind of mentality. That wasn't right. their exact words, but that was the implication. For sure. And, and, implications. and I stand in front of him. I'm like, hello. <laughs> um, excuse me. And they're like, yeah, but um, you're different. And I'm like, I'm not different. Because they, you know, I have a few jobs and I have a active life and I have a disease that keeps most people in bed. Right. So they, you know, it drives me crazy. Now, I believe that as the years have passed, the child's opinions have changed. Most right. of them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, I think it's a incumbent upon all of us that consume cannabis to continue to present, and I don't mean it in a mask sort of way, but for us to show both the positive lifestyle effects, right, and being open about it. You know, I have, I have seen these claims. You know, I'll just for. Just for an example, I don't want to get CBD people upset. I have seen a few less than um, honest CBD marketing pamphlets that try to state that it cures all pain and, you know, will eliminate pain. Right. I have taken RSO that's like 99% THC in milligrams that would knock most people out for a week and i still have pain right so i think representing it honestly and clearly and talking about it and having conversations like we have and and not misrepresenting making false claims um, and also you know with regard to like relationships dating it never was about choosing someone who smokes or doesn't smoke it was about being authentic about who i am and being okay with who i am and if they had a problem with that that's okay that's their problem we're not a match no big deal like they don't have to also do it uh right or also partake they just have to be able to love me for who i am is basically what i finally figured out at that stage in my life right and it's like that was about me loving me for who i am first so that I can even present to them as a full person, right? Because up until that point or previously in my life for all the years, it had always right. been like this secret that I had to keep, you know, from people. And then and then I keep it a secret during dating. And then I get in relationships with people who don't smoke and think it's a terrible thing. 
and I have to smoke in secret. And it's always this big, like, you know, <laughs> like, what is that? Like, that's And then sometimes that secret, the secrecy surrounding it becomes part of the ritual of it or the, sure. the habit of it. And that's a whole nother issue. Um, I'm a really good, yeah, I'm a really good example of this because my first marriage, my spouse was, he always said he was not anti-cannabis. His logic was it's illegal, therefore it's illegal. So it doesn't matter if it's good for you or whatever. So I smoke and snuck it around. um, And I didn't really sneak it from him it wasn't like I was like he wasn't aware maybe not fully but it wasn't a secret secret um but when I had my second marriage um I would say within the first week maybe within the first day or two I had told my husband my now husband I smoke pot if you don't like it, tell me now, because I'm not having this conversation in a year. I'm not having this conversation in five years. And he was like, oh, I have to add. I said, it also makes me horny. I did throw that in there, which is just my beneficial tip to any other the ladies who would like to use my wording with their soon-to-be longtime partner. I smoke cannabis. I like it. It makes me horny. It makes me feel good. And you need to tell me right now if you have an issue with it, because I'm not messing with this later. I'm not playing around with this later. And my husband personally is um, makes me horny was the only thing he heard in that whole sentence. And just nodded. Um, But my husband does not that, you know, going back to your partner, your significant other does not necessarily have to partake. You can be a respectful cannabis user and be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't use cannabis. Hence mine. My husband doesn't use cannabis. Um, I have a big old bong on my coffee table. Uh, We sit and watch TV and I take a puff off my bong randomly all night long. And he doesn't. Now, if it were a cigarette, he hates the smell of cigarettes. But for some reason, and he hates the smell of a vaporized flower. Can't stand the smell of vaporized flower. But my bong, a joint, a pipe. He has, does, doesn't bother him at all. Doesn't blink an eye. It's crazy. So yeah, relationships, again, about you. So it's how you present yourself. It's how you represent the plant. It's how you represent yourself on the plant. And it's how you have the discussions with people, you know, in your truth with people you are having relationships with. You know, it's it's also about, you know, yeah, understanding why you use it. You know, whether there are times and places where you're abusing it in any kind of way or where it is actually interfering in your life or your relationships, you know, maybe if you're spending too much of your money on it when it, you know, other bills are slipping or, you know, different things. That, that's real life, right? So right. if that's true, you need to check yourself. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, that's just Right. You got to figure out what it is you need to do. If, you know, if you need to find different sources, if you need to cut back, if you need to, you know, move into a different place that has lower bills, whatever it is. But, but, you know, you've got to be real when you're evaluating how it impacts you and your life and how you're interacting with it. And you've also got to be well informed, right? Because I hear people all the time talking about jobs or like we discussed on the housing episode, 
people are always like, oh, well, it's my apartment, so I can smoke weed in it if I want to. Like, well, no, no, actually, that's probably not true. And you need to know the rules because when they come and evict you or they come and arrest you or whatever they do, like you, you thinking you can do it because you have a card is not going to be good enough. You know, unfortunately, like hopefully the system will help you out and all this stuff is wrong, but it's in place and it's there. Right? And so ignorance of the law. Right. And that goes for employment, right? Like a lot of times employers are a hundred percent have the right to say that there's a zero tolerance policy for all drugs and marijuana cannabis is a schedule one drug still, you know, so it definitely (laughs) can fall under that guideline. They definitely can fire you for coming up positive depending on what their policies are, et cetera. Right. So absolutely. Relationships. So if we're talking about relationships and work, Ooh, should I go tell my HR department? Well, no what's the policy. You know what I'm saying? Probably not. Is the question? I'm just going to throw out there. Not keep it to yourself. Completely unprofessional we opinion. We don't want to know. Shut up. No, and I'm actually an employer, and I am open about my cannabis use. Obviously, I write about it. I have a podcast. I'm all over the place. So. And make sure I do not see any evidence of it at work, for sure. I, you are not to be impaired on the job. And I was never impaired on the job. I have used cannabis since I was 18. So I obviously would have failed any drug test in any of the past, however, uh, many years I may have been employed since I was 15. However. You wait till after work. (laughs) I was never impaired at work. Period. It doesn't work. I wasn't even impaired at my cannabis job. You cannot. Now, I will say there was once or twice in the kitchen where one of the two of us may have forgotten how many times we taste tested samples in a day. That was unintentional phone call to a relative to come pick us up at work. But that was not an intentional impaired at work. That was a, oh shit, I already tasted three cookies today. Damn it. Day. Those are whole different days. But it goes back again to self. You're responsible. You're responsible. You're responsible for yourself. Do not misuse the cannabis plant and then blame the world for not accepting your cannabis use. Exactly. Because the world does not accept it. Newsflash, honey. It's a problem for people. And that's their prerogative to have a problem with it, generally speaking, again, you know. Even if it's just a moral issue they have with it, you know, them personally, and you feel like it's a gift from God, which, you know, I do. I feel like it is a gift Mm. from God, just Mm. like all the other plants he gave us or she gave us, you know. Amen. Um, And, like, okay, but... If somebody else feels like it's a terrible thing, like the only thing I can do is be a great living example. Exactly. And that's my message for sure. That's been probably my biggest message since I started in all this. But I was approached also by um, family uh, who pulled me aside at one of the events over the past week to ask for information more guidance um had some questions someone had gotten them um some edibles 
and they were too strong. And I was, you know, explaining her how to use a potato peeler to just shave off a little bit and pop it in her tea, you know, because five, I think five milligrams was too much. But when I come to find out from talking to her further, and this is an older woman, older than me, maybe 10 years, maybe not that many. Anyways, yeah, probably about 10 years older than me. Her children are pushing her to to look into cannabis as an option for pharmaceuticals and alcohol. And um, I think in relationships right now, and I, you know, I, I, I am not one of those old people. I'm not that old, but I am not one of those older people that thinks the youth are this and uh, you know all the negative things that go along with the youth that the grumpy old people like to used to say I do believe that the young people coming up right now are the ones that are helping their parents into shedding those outdated ideas we're not going to shed a lot of them um, without a whole generation passing off but But which I'm not wishing kids a lot of them are my age Mm -hmm. their parents are my parents age exactly anywhere from 30 to 50 you know these are young adults having families of of their own a lot of those people that are my age are just trying it for the first time because they were raised by those people right and so a lot of them held on to a lot of that uh stuff and they're the ones actually using it for themselves for the first time, which is why they're recommending it to their parents. I think. I, I think that'll change relationships. And I think in the the familial settings, I think there's a great opportunity that if it hasn't come up yet to bring it up, maybe before it's legal in your state even, and just open a dialogue with yeah. people. Um yeah. Not in a, I think it's better to have the discussions before it's an issue, obviously, before people's emotions are heightened. You know, some Um, of the best ways I've found to start these conversations is with regard to topicals and or a well-informed CBD conversation, right? Because people are getting more and more comfortable with the idea that CBD doesn't get you high, right? So they're like, okay, well, maybe that CBD stuff is okay. Um, and when you're informed, you can explain about full spectrum, um, you know, and, and these kind of things. But at least then you can like bring the topic up. It can start yeah. pretty easily and without too much, you know, because topicals also are a way a lot of people have achy joints, right? And um, topicals are a good way to introduce them to it without any risk of psychoactive effects. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and, you know, our, our numbers are increasing every year of, you know, the percentage of people that believe it should be legalized, the conversations are getting there. And I think with, you know, that you just hit on a good point though, because it's not about that, like, oh, cannabis is the cure all to everything. It's not about that. It's no. about the more mainstream um that it becomes as far as people experiencing <laughs> positive effects and not experiencing all these crazy negative effects that they thought were true 
you know, that's how we get it legal. For those who need this medicine on a really consistent basis, these kids who are, you know, trying to, you know, survive epilepsy and, you know, people who are trying to make it through cancer treatments, there's enough of them out there that need to get good access to this, that getting it mainstream is going to benefit, you know, everybody, even if- And the families of those kids, I mean, you know, as well as any, the extended family of a sick child suffers with the, with the parents and the- the families that have to uproot and go to Colorado to save their children's lives, meanwhile, leaving grandparents and aunts and uncles that support them in caring for a sick child, you know, it's devastating. And the difference between being on the pharmaceuticals versus the effects of being, even if it's full THC cannabis, because sometimes that's what it takes to stop seizures. The, the, child actually is given a childhood again and you know obviously we'd all get up and leave anything to get that for our kid but people shouldn't have to leave their support networks and their communities to save their children right exactly Uh, and I I think we can you know continuing to support legalization and ending prohibition and support of these families I feel like sometimes you know, we talk about politics in cannabis, but sometimes what politics is, is finding um, the message that appeals and, you know, saving right. kids is something that just no one can deny. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we've talked about employment and parent-child I think, you know, we've talked about parenting, so I don't need to think we need to go in previous issues. We've talked about parenting. So I think cannabis and and parenting young children was covered in that. But parenting as an adult of adult children and cannabis use. um, Yeah, I think my relationship, I have smoked cannabis with a few of my kids adult kids um usually in social type settings or maybe at home i also one of my kids worked in the cooperative uh, when she was in her mid-20s so there was a lot of cannabis going around the cooperative you know prior to opening or right before we trim we'd go out behind the building and smoke a joint go back in and trim for an hour and so that was more like a cigarette break back then. I think we were smoking cigarettes back then too. But um, I think as far as relationships, for me personally, it's always been, this is what I do. And if somebody wanted to approach it as more of a, let's do this together thing, it would be an individualized situation. I don't, if my adult children are coming to my house without their own children, I do not put away my bong or my pot, but I also don't necessarily always have it on the coffee table. Like if it's my non pot smoking adults, I might just set it over on a side table. Um, But I think it's something that you need to give people space personally and let them, let them, um, the kids may smoke pot, just not comfortable 
telling you that yet and that's fine and just but I'm I'm pretty much like that with all my kids issues about anything I try not to be that mom that's all up in their business even if I do know what's going on right even if I even if I know my kids texting me from Sedona I pretend to not know where she is and go oh where are you I know damn well she's in town right she's being sneaky because she came up to town without me knowing right so I feel in as far as being an adult and breaking it to your kids that your adult kids that you use cannabis, I would just kind of sort of just do your thing and personally and just let them approach you about it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I think that's fine. Right. There's no point uh, going out of your way to be like, Hey, by the way, you know, I, you know, I consume cannabis or whatever. If the conversation doesn't naturally what occur, do you want from them? like okay, do yeah, you want them, you know, what do you want, right? Like, what's the point? Yeah. So, but I do love how our conversation. I mean, so I feel like we really, you know, one of the things I've literally seen marriages end over cannabis. I really have, and generally sad. speaking, I feel yeah, that's so sad, right? Like if one of the partners could have gotten to the point where they were, you know, willing to talk about it past their fears and, you know, judgments, uh, judgments of it. Uh, then there's quite possibly a, a happy place that they could have come to together. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Then the other partner also was like, like I was kind of describing was in a relationship with someone who wasn't approving of something they wanted to be engaged in, right? And so, like, when you get married to someone, you're making a commitment, and if you commit to a certain thing, and then you want to go kind of do a different thing, like, all right, that's okay, but you got to understand that this person is still who you married in the first place, right? You can't expect them to change their mind. Uh, you know, they are who you married, right? You like, to, yeah, you, you need to honor the initial yeah, agreement. Yeah. At honor least honor it with the discussion. You weren't being true to yourself apparently in that moment. So now you've got to really go through your own self-evaluation and figure out like, all right, like how important is this to you? And what kind of lengths are you willing to go through or, or how are you willing, you know, what do you need to do to address it? Or is this just really a symptom of a much larger issue really probably? That's usually well, the <laughs> there, there, there is there, that. There is that. And that would be something I would say as well that if if this is something that you're having a huge argument about, because I, I you know, and I'm picturing the person who uses cannabis watching the other person having the argument, because I always right, vision exactly. the, the, the cannabis person like, why are you, why are you so upset? Like, but if I would examine, yeah, you know the, maybe you can spout them off the <laughs> the big major relationship areas. And maybe look at them all, <laughs> not just the cannabis. If this right. is something that's really causing an all-out war in your relationship, I, you know, sex, money, time, yeah. yeah. So, and I think you know we kind of address some of the positive aspects of of how it plays a part. You know, I I think on the one hand, just what we talk about being a hundred percent okay with oneself. And if one is choosing to use cannabis or whatever, um, that like just just being okay with who you are and 
And regardless of what the outside world thinks, once you're okay with it and you present yourself that way to the world, it's amazing how people can really like love you through it. I literally actually tell clients this information up front typically um, because I like them to know because I personally don't hide it like in my personal social media and such. So I've made a conscious decision about that, right? Like I care about legalization. I care about the, you know, the situation and the plight of the children and different people, different research is happening. Like I am interested in seeing healing happen and I am good with this plant and I also uh, use it in my life and plan to continue to, right? And fortunately, you know, I married someone who also does and is good with it. And one of the positive ways we use it, we literally use it to help us have tough conversations when we need to talk through something that one or the other of us is kind of more uptight about, you know, we literally will sit down, we'll roll one up together, we'll smoke it and we'll start talking and we will literally get through it, you know, every time. So right. you're strong and going. So I don't know. We're just on the road is all, but it feels pretty good. You know, I mean, it feels good to be in love at 12 years, even though you have good days and bad days. It's like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we have my relationship. What you guys see, that's what you get. Like, it really is that. Like, you know, that's real. My husband and I are at 18 years. Yeah. Like I said, he's a non-cannabis user. um, And I'm a cannabis user. And he actually, when we were part of the co-op, the cutest thing, you know, he was very supportive of my interest. And he's, as you know, quite a green thumb, loves to grow plants. And so he wanted to learn to grow and people would ask him like why are you interested in growing cannabis and he's like ah it's just so she spends less money on it (laughs) you know he was as always my budgetary conscience is my husband and um he fell in love with the plant and he fell in love with the people and the culture and you know i think he would be tickled to death to go to the earl cup if he had his card and not for the consumption but he's you know I just he, can't wait till he's legally allowed to grow again because, yeah. you know, if ever I had an opportunity to get a clone in the future, I feel like now that I'm a more real gardener, like a normal gardener, like that grows like yeah. cucumbers and that kind of stuff, like I feel like I could know what to do with a clone if it was ever legal for me to try and grow some. So I feel like more prepared now for that. He would love it. He would love it. Yeah, I'm praying for him to be able to be a grower. He uh, was definitely in his own in that in his grow tent, and then he grew my grow tent for the most part. I was his farming assistant, but you know, he just pointed and told me what bucket to fill to go get him more stuff or what to cut. But he was in heaven in his little, you know, he'd go in there, hide in there for hours every night after work. Loved it. Loved playing with his plants. Similar to the water talk we were having before this, working with the dirt and especially mm. ones like, uh, you know, that really respond well to, you know, different things. And if you understand the plant, you know, biology or whatever, like it's. He's definitely in tune because he, he keeps his plants in pots and moves them around the yard for months before he puts them in the ground. For sure. So that he I'm doing can... that same thing right now. Yep, seeing where they like it, seeing where they like the day. And he's like, well, it hasn't been winter yet, so I don't know how they're going to like it here in the winter. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
Put that thing on the ground. No. Get it. No, I get it. Yeah. But I think the show for it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh I think in relationships as well, um I think if if uh I don't know the substance, this plant and the things in this plant help create homeostasis in your body and in your emotions and in your sense of well-being that can only help a relationship um, because you are meeting at a place um, that's not full of anxiety or stressors or insecurities or depression Um, so I I do see and I have had um plenty of experience with mental health and luckily I personally have not had any very specific experiences with mental illness myself Um, but it does run strong in my family tree and I will never know but um, one could only hope that maybe I have avoided some of those pitfalls um, with cannabis use, you don't know. I don't know how it's helped my mental health. Lord knows I've had enough reasons um, over the years um, for it to express itself. Right. So, and I'm not saying it is, you know, obviously we have no medical degrees, um, right. but I'm everyone not, in. I no. couldn't even be in Oh, yeah, you I could. Like- you just wouldn't. But. <laughs> I don't do blood. I don't do bodily foods. I can't handle anything. Well, so I was gonna say it's basically that you have to have the patience of a saint to to you're basically in there when they're yelling, why aren't why isn't the nurse in there? I just don't have the patience. I can probably do the other parts. <laughs> but um there there's something to be said about the ability to somewhere find a little bit of glimmer of hope in things and for me cannabis has definitely been helpful in me maintaining my ability to find a glimmer of hope when sometimes there doesn't seem to be any and I that alone my relationship with everyone (laughs) has benefited from you know hope for me has always been the key yeah so I mean in summary like on relationships anyways my thought is like don't hide it to the extreme where you are lying about who you are uh, or what you are or anything else to you know the world and don't share it anywhere where it's not really safe to be shared right but like create a safe life hopefully right and And be appropriate feel safe in the right spaces where you need to respectful of the rule of law and yeah that would be part of sharing inappropriately you know yeah you like you're not going to light up a cigarette in the middle of a movie theater you know don't light up a joint in front of your family barbecue if people aren't uh, into it exactly my favorite author on this topic is Brene Brown right vulnerability Mm. he definitely talks about this in terms of like you know, you you can't just be vulnerable. Yes, vulnerable vulnerability is very valuable, right? And it's very necessary and needed, right? But at the same time, 
you can't just share it with everybody. Right. Right. Everybody's not really, let's just even say worthy of you being vulnerable with them. So so know where those limits are. If you have family members that you feel like, oh, if they know about this, they'll never speak to me again. Well, don't tell them about it. There's no reason that you have to share everyone with everyone. Not everybody knows what shape vibrator you have at home in your in your drawer. And guess what? to not live with them you know right. what I'm saying like don't live with them find right. somewhere else to live if that's the case right like people don't need to know everything so yeah and I'm- you are in every one of your relationships so be clear in your own self about your cannabis use be honest with yourself Make sure you're using it not as a self-medicating issue, but as a life enhancement, something that helps you be a better person, makes your pain, nausea, whatever, your health symptoms improve. Um, be, just be honest with your own reasons and clear about them in your own mind so that when you are presented with a challenge or an opportunity to express your point of view about cannabis, you can be very clear. And you don't need yeah. to be um, shameful. Right, right, right. Just yeah. Be get informed and get decided, you know, to get decided, decide what your, what your POV is. So what are we, yeah, you know what? It took me forever to figure out what POV was on my stupid new car <laughs> navigation Point map. Five. Oh no, actually it wasn't POV. It was POI. Sorry. Uh, I'm like, what, uh, where is Poi and why do I care? Why does it keep asking me about poi? And finally, I pushed it. Realized it's point of interest. Durr, wow. durr. So, on that on that brilliant moment, what's our topic for next week? Uh, perfect segue. Our topic yeah. actually is advocacy. Ah, so kind of how to advocate. Maybe who's advocating? What's going on out there? Maybe a little bit. Maybe we get into a little bit of that. I know you just wrote an article about uh, the Canada and what's happening up there. Um, but uh, you know, maybe next week we get into a little bit of what 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 have you with advocacy. Write it down somewhere so that we'll remember before we start. You know, we always have to check in beforehand. Next like, week is the twenty fifth. I'm going to write it on my desk calendar. Now we just have to remember where I wrote it. Advocacy. Maybe where to get real good information and how to do your part from little tiny steps to big, great, big involvement, depending on where you want to go. Sure. A lot of of layers to it. Love it, love it. And then I have a new article out in Cannabis Cactus this month talking about um, how to purchase Basically, it's about how to understand purchasing concentrates and how it accounts towards your allotments. Um, you can read there for more information. Um, you would think it would be straightforward, but with pretty much every topic I write about in cannabis, I learn <laughs> it is not. And I did just finished another article that will be up on Earl Times. Um probably this week I haven't heard yet but about the recent clarification of laws on CBD ah yeah because we were just talking about that with the DEA some 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 
Apparently, they are clarifying a, 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 a long-standing rule, but there will be, I think there's going to be a lot to watch in the hemp world because the, basically the clarification didn't do any good. And a lot of DEA agents still consider CBD a Schedule 1 substance. Uh-huh. And they can. And they can arrest people. Them from doing so when they so want to. Just whatever, just like our current situations, it's just what they decide to enforce. So mm-hmm. that could be the CBD all over the country any minute. Just be careful. Mostly, yeah. I think it's mostly affecting producers. Their shipments are being um, literally being hemp shipments are being seized. On its way to CBD producers. So the other article you can check for in the Earl Times. But advocacy is needed and we could use more people. So it'll be a great topic next week. Love it. Get some more advocates. We'll talk next week. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Join us every Thursday as we break down what's happening now and how you can infuse cannabis into your life, too. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, share with your friends, and get our free tincture making course at potofwellness.com.